Hey everyone, welcome to DVM Divas, the podcast. This is episode number two. Tonight we're going to dig into the big grain-free diet controversy and how to have those conversations with your clients that you are sick of having. And then beyond that, Maria is going to share with us a very tragic mom fail of the week and going to follow up with a great mom win. And I'll round things out with a clinic hack. Join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to DVM Divas Beyond the Stethoscope. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is dominated by women. In fact, we make up over 60% of the workforce, and that number just keeps growing. But it's not just the numbers that are growing. Our stress and frustration levels are climbing at exponential rates. Between social media challenges, public misconceptions, and the constant competition with Dr. Google, we're finding it harder and harder to be happy and fulfilled veterinary women. Because of this, depression and suicide rates are at all-time highs in our little corner of the world. And in order to help us combat these things, we need an outlet. We need a safe place where we can open up and discuss all of the issues that we are currently struggling with. So listen along as we, the DVM Divas, discuss our trials and our troubles, as well as celebrate our wins and accomplishments. And join us as we forever test the limits of what it means to be a badass woman in the veterinary industry. So, who are we? Well, I'm Melissa. I'm a Kansas State grad and have been practicing for nearly 20 years. I have a mixed animal practice with my husband and one other partner. And I'm a mom to three very busy kids. One in elementary, one in middle school, and one in high school. Hi, I'm Annie. I too am a wife and a mama and a veterinarian. I am a Washington State grad that has done a little bit of everything as far as veterinary medicine is concerned. I'm really excited to be here, share my story, and get to hear your stories as well. My name is Maria. I am a full-time small animal veterinarian and a full-time mom to two beautiful little boys. Currently, I am practicing on the East Coast after trying our luck on the Front Range in Colorado for a year. After missing our family and of course the delicious food and the beautiful ocean, we decided to come back to Jersey where we are finally home. Follow us on Instagram at DeviantDivas. Like us on Facebook and join our group at DeviantDivas Beyond the Stethoscope. Want to discuss something or interested in being a guest? Email us at admin at DeviantDivas.com or comment on one of our social media profiles. We hope you will come along and leave your stethoscopes at work and join us. Laugh with us, Cry with us as we take this profession back from discontent. Grow with us as we remember why we ever wanted to be veterinarians in the first place. Hey, girls, how are you tonight? Good. How are you? Good. So we are on episode two. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just jump right in to today's hot topic. And it is all over social media. The actual topic itself of grain-free diets and do they or don't they cause DCM and all of those things. We don't need to break down that because I think we are all sick of breaking down that. But that's what I wanted to talk about. How are you guys handling those conversations with your clients? Are First of all, are you getting your clients asking you a bunch of questions about it? So the first day that it came out with the FDA warning, we had so many phone calls and I didn't even know the FDA came out with the warning yet. And I was like, like why? Right. 
what the hell is happening? I know. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, wow, did somebody actually post something that was right on social media? Is that what's going on here? But um, so my staff kept coming to me about it. And I ended up printing out the FDA uh, warning and stapling the foods, like the chart that they put out mm-hmm. and handing it to every client that is on that brand of food. And like 90% of them were like, oh, wow, I never knew. And I honestly, I just wanted to take the clipboard and be like, because <laughs> I told you 5,000 times it wasn't good for your dog. Right, right. So that's how I've been handling it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time one of the texts comes back and it's like, so they read the FDA. And I was like, mm-hmm. no. Okay. <laughs> so I know my text at work, we, um, any conversation that we're tired of having, like they will initiate. And if they're done for the day, they'll be like, doc, I'm done. You're in. I'm not talking about this again. And then I'll do, you know, a couple and then I'll be like, all right, I'm done. It's all you. You guys got this. See, this used to be the flea talk for us. This used to be like, my dog doesn't have flea. Yeah. But now it's grain free. And, but you know, for me, I honestly, a lot of my clients still don't really know about it. And so I'm still the one that's kind of bringing it up. And, and I don't know if that's better or worse because I think they think that I'm making it up and they think that it's just me once again, trying to convince them that maybe your dog shouldn't be on a grain-free diet. And that also surprises me because where I live, we have several major pet food manufacturers. And you're like right in the heart. (laughs) Yes. Oh yes. And, and actually people who formulate these diets. And so I, I've had a couple that are like, well, we don't know anything yet. Like, we know enough to be concerned. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I feel like a lot of, even my clients, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they just read on social media or like they walk into one of the pet stores and people, like you have the 18 year old selling the bag of food and being like, buy this. Grain free is great. Aren't you grain free? Like mm-hmm. something like that. And they don't really understand what's going on. And when you think about it, if you're not in the profession, you walk into a dog food store, you think that they would know what's best for your mm-hmm. dog because they're selling dog food. Right. You know, right. it's like walking into a salon and you think, you know, oh, they're selling hair products. It must be good. Mm-hmm. But it's just um, a lot of clients have been like, Oh, and I think it took the warning to make them realize like what I've been saying, I'm not making up. Mm -hmm. I'm not lying and saying grain free is bad just for fun. We don't sell food at my clinic. (laughs) I'm not making any money off of you going to buy like science diet. Like I don't sell food, you know? And that's what drives me crazy. Like people always say, oh, well you sell it. And I'm like, but they don't. That's the best part is we don't sell it. But the, and the person recommending grain-free, newsflash, they're selling dog food. Yeah. And it's like, they're the ones like, that are making the money off right. of it. And they're selling the more expensive dog food. Yes. And nobody mistrusts them for trying to sell dog food. I, I try to use medical knowledge and research and science to recommend a, a good food. And 
I'm just selling dog food. And that's my a crime. favorite is when they tell me that I'm not taught nutrition. And I'm like, I got more nutrition than the kid at the freaking Petco. Ooh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't use these. At the feed store. More <laughs> yeah. nutrition than what he did. Yeah, it drives me nuts. Not only that is like, not only did I get like two semesters of nutrition, mm-hmm. right? and not only did I get that, but then I have these continuing educations. I get all this other stuff I have to read about. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that I go and learn that stuff for fun. It's stuff that I have to know. Yeah. But they pay you. Mm-hmm. They, they do. pay you to go That's there. why I'm living and in they a mansion send you on 10 acres things. in Jersey. Exactly. And I have this super cute little bag, like paw print clippy thing and a cup <laughs> to measure out dog food with. <laughs> That's how I base my life choices. Yeah. Those two things. Yeah. Well, I was sitting there. I went to, I used the Royal Canaan book um, that I got for free when the rep came to visit us. I did. Oh, that's my kickback. And I'm sitting yeah. there going through, um, I was food shopping because I read all like the sales in it because I open it up and I have one store on this side, one store on this side. And so I go and I look and I like look at the deals and see where I can save some money. And I'm thinking to myself today, it was like, wow, this dollar book is my kickback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what I have found, and I think I've found this it, even before all of this came out, because we've all been having this spiel, this talk for years now. Um, it, you know, you hate to wish heart disease on anybody's pet. Like that's horrible and sad. And, but thank God it's happening. Right. I mean, is that horrible I'm to say? So ha- not that I'm so happy. No, right. I that's wrong. Just, that's not, that's yeah, wrong. It's wrong. But I'm satisfied to know that all the veterinarians, all the research, we were right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's like, satisfied it's not I'm not happy that these dogs are getting it I actually feel sorry for them because they know your dog and the thing is people are saying it's only a couple hundred dogs it's only a couple hundred dogs that were definitively diagnosed right the thousands of dogs running around because they don't have a murmur because they don't have an arrhythmia because they're the ones we're not finding so I feel bad but at the same time I'm kind of satisfied well and if you have to pick something to be pseudo satisfied about I mean at least it's reversible in some cases, isn't it? No. Yes. I think it's caught early enough. Yeah. I, I think, I think that the the actual answer is we don't, we don't know. Okay. Uh, Um, there do seem to be a few cases that are maybe linked to taurine, although Mm -hmm. a lot of them are not. And so there's some questions, um, but for the ones that do have some low taurine levels, they have been responding to taurine supplementation, but that's not been true in every case. So I don't know if they've determined they, well, they don't, they haven't determined all of the links yet. And that's what I've been kind of telling my clients is that, you know, we don't know the answers. And up until about a year ago, we didn't even know what we know now, but knowing what we know now, we're using caution, you know, more caution than we used to. And until we get the answers. And I just tell them, you know, it's my job to tell them of any potential risk that they, that could be happening to their pet. And the FDA has told me that this could be a risk. And so we're recommending my clinic and myself is recommending that unless your dog has a documented health issue that requires them to be on a grain-free diet, that they consider switching to something not grain-free 
until we know more, um, just to be safe. That's a good way to put it. It's awesome. That is a good way to put it. Yeah. And, and they're mostly responsive to it, you know, and I can't, if they're not going to change, they're not going to change, but the ball's in their court. And I've, I've basically told them what I know and that my concerns are. And I document that I've told them that. And, and then it's up to them, I guess, to, to make that choice. Um, Do you recommend cardiology consults if they don't switch? uh, No, not necessarily. I mean, I say it's an option. That's probably something I could be a little bit more assertive in doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I, I, I haven't, I guess we do have the, what we are using um, a remote service for cardiology where we can do an EKG and radiographs and send it to the cardiologist and they can review it and get us, get us answers back. It's fantastic. And I love it. Um, So we do offer that, that we can just do an in-house EKG and thoracic rads and have a cardiologist Mm -hmm. evaluate that um, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've been telling people if they want to switch, I recommend a cardiology consult, and I give them a paper. I said it's going to be about seven hundred dollars. So you either can switch, <laughs> right? <laughs> and like, yeah. I don't know if that's like scaring people. Mm-hmm. I don't know because the thing is, like, how do you really go about this? Do you go, you know, we've been talking about it for years since mm-hmm. this whole marketing thing started, but how do you go about it now that now that we have documentation that there is something going on? Right. Is it, do you go ahead and scare everybody and say, right. you should do this? Or is it, it's complete, is it still like, it's completely up to them and right. the ball's still in their core. I'm just handing you the information. I, we're being just a lot more. We always, I mean, with most exams and most appointments, we just have always routinely asked, what are you feeding? Just, you know, just so we can jot it down. And I'll be honest. I've gotten so, I had gotten so tired of having the grain-free conversation that in the past when people, let's say they, oh, they're on grain-free, half the time I would just kind of go, oh, okay, you know, and just move on. Um, but now I guess what I'm find, find myself doing is if, if they tell me, and we're, we're being more diligent about asking and having a reason for asking is if they say they're on grain-free, then we just kind of give them that, okay, well, if you didn't already know here's some new information about grain free and we just kind of leave it, leave it at that. And if I get the ones that push back and they're, they're still hell bent that their dog has allergies and they're certain that it's, you know, and grain free is taking care of their allergies, which they're not. But if they think that, um, I, I also point out to them that allergies rarely kill a dog, but heart disease does. And so I'd rather, that is a really good one. I'd rather have an itchy dog that's alive than um, a not itchy dog with a failing heart. Yeah, that is a really good one. I never even thought about it. Back to your question, Maria. Like I always avoid, I mean, you can't always avoid it, but more times than not, I try to avoid like scaring people. I don't know why. I guess I just don't like to be scared. So maybe I avoid that. And I'm, I just put the ball in their court. I give you all of the information. We talk about, you know, risks. Uh, we talk about, pros and cons. We weigh it all out, but ultimately the choice is yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to make that choice for you. And I guess that I, I don't know if I was just burned before by making choices for people or not. I don't know. No, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I just been handing, cause we asked, I've actually created a thing that it's like 10 questions. The techs have to ask every time anyone walks through the door mm-hmm. and that is on there. And you know, mm-hmm. I always, if they're on green free, now I'm handing them the FDA report, the mm-hmm. list of the foods, and I'm handing, if they refuse, if they're like, all right, we're not switching, I hand them a, um, 
a specialist thing and say, this is where I re- what I recommend doing next. Right. It's up to you if you want to do it or not. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I wonder, like, because I got to the point where I talked, I talked, I talked, I talked, people pushed back, they got pissed because I, like, of course had something to say that was wrong and blah, blah, blah. And then I just shut down for a few years. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I didn't yeah. talk about food. I walked into a room, what are you feeding? Well, okay, that's great, blah, 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 blah. And I keep going. Yeah, same here. And then when the whole, like, the companies were seeing their companies because this was in it and they're saying that this is not not this is not in all that other thing, you know, I got back, all right, well, they're on the food. Well, let me tell you something about that company this just, that just went down. But then I still get backlash, even though I can provide the proof right then and there. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like they just sometimes the fight is just so exhausting that I just don't even feel like talking about it. And I think anymore, so many people are expecting us to fight and we're almost getting Mm -hmm. a bad rap for it. And it's that whole, we're going to defend big kibble and we defend big pharma. And so the second that we try and actually, even if we're trying to have responsible, calm conversations, Mm -hmm. people are looking for the fight and they just assume that we are the bad guy. And so I have found if I don't play into that, if I, mm-hmm. if I disengage from the fight, the fight that they are prepared and ready to have, then I'm a little bit more successful. And I just don't give them any fuel to get online and be like, my vet doesn't no, 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 da, 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 you know, and, and it's so ironic. Like, don't call me your vet if you're going to argue with everything that I say, because I am no longer your vet in that situation. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I agree with Anne that I've found that if maybe still give them the choice, so they feel like they have some power and they feel like they have some control. Um, you know, and I think the best that we can do is just tell them our recommendations. And like you said, tell them the risks and if they don't do it, then that's on them. But then we have to document that precisely in our records because they'll magically forget we had that conversation as soon as their dog comes up sick. For sure. Absolutely. That's always a forgetful conversation. (laughs) Any other thoughts or closing ideas, sentiments on the topic? Are there any other discussions that you have found yourself having other than the grain-free BS right now? Is there other things that isn't there (laughs) my favorite is the like you were you said before the flea conversation so let me tell you fleas i can't (laughs) come on now jersey's flea central if you're not on flea and sick prevention you have fleas sorry you skip a month you have fleas that's the end of it i hate what do you mean? My cat's an indoor cat. You can't have fleas. Here is the flea. You see, whoop, there it jumps. Whoop, there it jumps. You see yeah. that? Indoor cats have fleas. Yeah. And I'm so tired of having this conversation. And people yeah. don't realize it. I'm like, oh my God, just put your animals on flea prevention in this area. Yeah. Like when I was, I don't know if you have them. And when I was in Colorado, nobody was on flea and tick prevention mm. and nobody had fleas. Mm. No, we've got them. We have to do, and we have ticks real, real bad. So, and my favorite is people who go hiking and take their dogs everywhere, but refuse to put their cats on flea and tick. And I'm like, sweet baby Jesus, you know (laughs) that dog brings home ticks to your cat, right? Like, this isn't rocket science. Like, you, that's how it gets there. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I'm yeah, with you. it's just so. And then they go, but there's no fleas in my yard. No. It's great. Flea Nile. We call that Flea Nile. We know <laughs> there is. It's like, oh, I guess what? I have events in my backyard. There must not be any bunnies or stray cats. I'm like, come on now, dude. But I've never seen them. Yeah. I've never, what are you talking about? I've never used flea intake prevention and I never had fleas. Although my dog has been itchy for two months and has no hair on his butt. It's because he's eating grain. It must be. <laughs> that must be the only reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from, from living in Colorado, you may have experienced this also. So out West, we haven't traditionally had a heartworm, mm. yep. but it's coming. Oh, <laughs> I feel I, like winter is coming. <laughs> heartworm is coming. It's, yeah it's there oh yeah people people from from like texas and stuff not to say anything's wrong with texas but people from texas are bringing the animals up to the area Mm -hmm. we had all right i worked in colorado for a year there were like two heartworm positive cases and i'm like well where did you go oh we went to texas i'm like well there you go when you go down there for us you know being in just one state away from colorado um Colorado is like the Mecca for dog rescues, dog rescue exchanges and transports. And um, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand why, but any like humane society or rescue around us, if there's animals that they can't get adopted out locally, they're always shipping them to Colorado. I don't know if it's just the, the population. They're just that much of a dog loving. I I, I don't know. I feel like it's gotten to the point where it's like booming right now. Like when we moved there, it was starting. And like by the time we lived there for a year and by the time we left, there was so much more built up. They were Mm -hmm. already planned to build all these different places. People are still coming in from California. (laughs) A lot of people from Texas, like people that bought our old house, they're from Texas. Um, You know, there's a couple people from the East coast you know, so all of them are coming in and I feel like everyone wants a dog because everybody hikes there. So it's probably because the bear can eat the dog before it can eat you. <laughs> yep. Well, and in, in, you know, in these rescue places or anybody, you know, I've seen this too, where we actually got a bunch when there was hurricanes or natural disasters or floods yes. in places down South, you know, all of these pets got rehomed and relocated places more North and more West and, we saw this huge surge in lepto and we saw her huge surge in heartworms and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we're such a, we're such a mobile society that we can't just take our own geography into play. Like you have to think about, think about everything. It. Yeah. That's like, there's a lot of shipments from like the Carolinas and Georgia mm-hmm. up to Jersey and the dog got parvo shocking because it was in the van from like Georgia with 500 other dogs. Of course the dog came up with parvo less than a week later and not vaccinated. And it's like six weeks old. Shocking. Like it's a shocker. Like <laughs> I don't have a lot of parvo where I am. It's all coming from the South. Up until last year, the only case of distemper I had seen in 16 years was from this pit bull puppy that a trucker picked up on the side of the road from like Georgia or Tennessee or somewhere. I don't even know. I was young. I'd only been out of school a few years and I was like, what the hell is wrong with this dog? Like I had never seen, we never even talked about distemper as an actual thing. And then all of a sudden there it was, I was like, oh, okay. And then I had not seen another case. Well, until last year, and this guy had two dogs that both ended up dying of it. Apparently in our area, there's been a big surge of raccoons with it. And so- 
our natural raccoon population all of a sudden had this big outbreak of distemper. So we started seeing a few cases. It was bananas. Again, I don't, I don't wish deadly neurologic diseases on really too many things, but it is nice to be able to sell a vaccine or two to say, Oh, by the way, yeah, Mm -hmm. I just had two dogs die of that last year. So (laughs) nothing sells more heartworm preventative than a heartworm positive dog in your practice. So, yep. If you can, if you get the opportunity, oh, maybe this is my clinic hack. I'm going to cheat. This is a preview for my clinic hack. This wasn't the one I had scheduled, but this is a bonus, a bonus clinic hack. Yes. (laughs) If you ever have the opportunity to do a post-mortem on a dog that died of heartworms, do it. Get that heart, stick that heart in a mason jar full of formaldehyde and stick it right on your exam room shelf. Cut a little window so all the little worms are floating out of that heart. And if anybody is ever questioning it, you just pull your jar off the shelf and be like, this is heartworms. Like This is real life heartworms. I like it. It works every time. So I that like is like my, like that's my that. bonus clinic hat. <laughs> Two for one. Two for one. I love it. <laughs> One of the other things we started doing kind of as a practice, I actually initiated it because I wanted to start practicing being recorded while I was speaking for our podcast. Oh, look at you fancy. It's not good. It's getting better. (laughs) Um, Is one of the other doctors and I have a little like coffee with Sam and Annie. We sit down and we visit about things and we're recorded live, which is unfortunate. It's nice because we sit down and we tackle like this week we're talking about obviously the FDA food thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we also have talked about vaccines and some of the like preventative stuff, but we do it on Facebook. So it's like, okay, so we reach 400 people with one conversation. Perfect. Wow. Because I feel like I'm getting a better bang for my buck, if that makes sense. I've been seeing more colleagues doing this too. Yeah. I think that's something that we should all be thinking about in not being so afraid of making fools of ourselves on video. And we're complete asses. Like, this is not professional. I'm pretty sure our boss kind of rolls over every time because he's like, oh my God, would you tell me to make those girls stop? (laughs) But like, it's working and clients are engaging and we're not perfect. And sometimes we have to go back and be like, okay, I misspoke. Right. Live scares the crap out of me. I'm not, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Well, then you can just record it and post it later. Yeah, that's true. I used to do live for um, something and I was doing a live. It was like the first time. And I was like, oh, I messed up. So I hit it off. And then I lied <laughs> again. I was like, oh, I messed up. And I hit it off. I did it like five times. And, I and it was all work, recorded. And the, tech, <laughs> the tech goes, why did you go live like five times this morning? I was like, doesn't it get posted like after no. I record? She goes, no. Live. Live. <laughs> I'm like, well then. I guess I messed that up. People over 30 shouldn't be be dealing with this stuff. As a profession, I do think we need to start like getting past that fact that we can't make fools of ourselves. Like I feel weird talking online because I feel like I'm going to say something that is wrong. Right. And or that I'm going to stumble over my words or something like that. At least when I know it's recorded, I can be like, wait a minute, let's go back and do it again. But I think at some point we have to get over it because that's how, especially the generation below us gets their information. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if there is reputable Mm -hmm. veterinarians that are becoming more popular on social media, then I think that the healthcare of our pets can improve. I agree. Yep. 
All right. Well, I think that is a good time to transition into our additional segments. Uh, Maria, it's your turn. We say mom fail. This could be a life fail or a mom fail, but this can be a life fail, but we'll help you through it. Many people are going to listen to this and be like, wow, she is really overdramatic, <laughs> but it's an issue that I have and I completely understand it. So I didn't listen to my intuition. I took my youngest who has the most beautiful tight curls to get a haircut. Does. Doesn't he? I love them so much. Like he looked like Beethoven before I cut his hair the first time. <laughs> and as soon as we trimmed it, it like shrunk down and got really tight. Like as soon as she put the scissors through it. So his father's Portuguese. So I, he looked like a little Portuguese boy. I decided to get a second haircut, but I asked them to just trim around his ears and in the front. Mm. And I had my husband hold him. Meanwhile, my three-year-old is throwing a bottle not a bottle like a glass of water across the salon okay so now i'm like scrubbing the floor trying to get all the water (laughs) off and they go is that good enough maria and i'm like yeah it's fine and i'm like scrubbing everything and i get into the car and i'm like i should have just sat there and looked at him because his hair was cut short hair high here around his ears and never cut the front of his face i was like what and then i'm like why did you say something you were holding me? Like, he was like, well, you were doing something with Tyler. What was I supposed to do? I'm like, oh my God. So my fail is that one, I need to trust my intuition, but when I need control over things, I need to have control over them because then it's just like, I everything. So you could think it's like, being over dramatic, but I guess when it's your youngest and I really don't plan on having any more, like I want it to be perfect. No, I'm sorry. Hair grows back. It takes a very long time. (laughs) His last haircut was like four months ago. (laughs) All right, three months ago. Maybe that's a little dramatic. It was three months ago. You add like a nail and hair vitamin to (laughs) it. Morning oatmeal. Some pet tabs. (laughs) Some collagen. I need to get in biotin. There you go. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry oh, that happened. I know. That is, yeah. My my husband thinks it's really funny. I even made a video of it that I sent it to you guys the before <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. he being all dramatic and then he after yeah. and I sent it to him and he was just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I hope that his curls come back as adorable as they were prior to that. Maybe they'll grow back. I just hope doesn't straighten out because of this haircut that, I think that happened to my little brother he was in he had blonde curls and my dad oh. had him at the grocery store and somebody came we live in a small town for crap's sake his birth like announcement was in the freaking newspaper oh yeah that's, that's, the yeah no that's normal for us yeah that's 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 customary the birth announcements are right next to the obituaries yes yes <laughs> Sometimes they're split with a wedding, but not oh, always. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. always. Yes. It's like so, death, new life. Yeah, it's a thing. My dad refers to the weddings and the death announcements both as death announcements. <laughs> <laughs> Long and short, this little old lady came up to my dad in the grocery store and was like, oh, hi, Dwayne. What a beautiful little girl you have. <gasps> my dad took my little brother, left the grocery store. I'm pretty sure he left the cart and all. Took him straight to the barber and had his hair chopped off. Oh, shit. It, it didn't come back curly. 
Oh, don't tell, don't tell her that. Annie. You see that? You see what happens? He's never getting his haircut again. I'm never doing it again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And, and let's hear mom win a life win. All right. So, um, my family mainly primarily pioneered by my husband likes to go camping a lot. Like I think from June through about September, we are home a total of two weekends. And then now I work three days a week. So it's like, sometimes we leave on Thursday. Sometimes we leave on Friday, but then we get back late Sunday. Literally there's clothes everywhere. There's crap everywhere. And I have to get this all washed, dried, folded, and ready to go for the next weekend. So what I started doing is I, I'll video it. I have a big bag that was originally for cloth diapers. So like you put your cloth diapers in it because they stink. Yeah. Everybody knows this, but um, they stink. So then you can just throw the diaper, the bag, everything in the washing machine. So now I pack that in the girls' suitcase. And no matter where we go, if we fly on an airplane or if we go camping, no matter what we do, it's always with us. All the dirty clothes go in the bag because let's be honest, my husband stinks. He's a (laughs) pumpkin. That's what happens. Um, and our girls get dirty. They really like the mud. So everything's dirty. Everything's icky, right? So everything goes in the bag. We seal it up. And then if we're flying, like I stick it in one of the suitcases, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, if we're camping, obviously it just gets thrown in the back of the truck, but it's nice because we always have extra clean clothes and I hated throwing their dirty, stinky Mm. clothes and with their clean clothes. Cause then I had to wash the clean clothes. Yes. 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 I hate laundry confession. Mm -hmm. I hate laundry. So anyway, so everything goes in the bag. And then when I get in on Sunday, the whole bag, everything goes in the washing machine, goes in the dryer, everything gets folded and put back in the suitcase. That's ready to go for Friday. It doesn't even get put away. That's where do you get that thing. Yeah. Where can you find that bag? Should we link it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We need an Amazon store. Yeah, I know we do. We do. Yeah. We need an Amazon merch account or something here. Yeah, yes, we, we do. do. Um, yeah, I think I just got it off at of Amazon. It's amazing. I'll see if that I can find really... it. I don't know why that never occurred to me because I sort of do something similar only when we're in hotels. Like, so if we're in a hotel in the right. of the hotel, there's always the laundry bag that, you know, you're yeah. supposed to have the, la- the hotel do your laundry for you. Right. But I always just steal that and put all of our dirty clothes in that. So like you said, so my dirty clothes are not touching my clean clothes in my luggage, but that's yeah. only when I'm in a hotel. Well, and there's only like there's one, only bag. one bag, right? And so you have five with that bag, can right. you throw that bag in the washing machine? Oh yeah, the whole thing yeah. goes. So I dump everything out, and then I turn it inside out, and it goes in. Huh? Yeah, because yeah, I'm always having to ration out this one plastic bag, and of course that's right. not going to get washed, and so. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, I usually just bring like the plastic store bags with us. Yeah. And I put it yeah. in that, but like then I never have enough room right. for all of our clothes. So I'm always like have to shove the dirty clothes in like the top part of the suitcase. Right. So that way, you know what I mean? And you're still have all the holes and stuff in the bag because you know I'm not going to take the good store bags because then when I go to Aldi, <laughs> I don't have any bags. So, right. <laughs> like, I need to know what that is. Uh, yeah, I'll get it for you. And then I'll video it so we can have it to go with yours for Facebook. Yes. Perfect. Okay. I will go into my, um, original clinic hack and I will admit it's kind of, it's not a very impressive hack, but are you kidding? This could change somebody's world. You really like it. So we were, it kind of stems from us being cheap at our clinic, but we, whenever we had had hospitalized cats, 
or, um, or we have some boarding cats, that kind of thing. We, we found that we didn't have enough litter pans or litter boxes and we didn't want like great big full size litter boxes in the cages. Cause that takes up like the whole cage. And so we, I don't even know who, if it was me or one of the techs or somebody, we went to the store and just got those little foil, like disposable baking pans, like the little, like not even the, like the nine by 13 ones, like the next size down, like the little, like the little ones. And we use those as our cat litter pans. And if you can find the ones that have lids with them, so it's a bonus buy because the lids will also work as litter pans as well. So you can get like six of them for like a dollar fifty nine. I don't even know. It probably depends yeah. on where you live, but they're nice because they're small. They're compact. You can clean them for a few times and then, but if you don't want to clean them, you just throw them away. And so they like the eight by eights. Like the brownie pans? They're like more than even smaller. They're rectangles. Like the ones that we get are like the little rectangle ones. So they're probably, I don't know, nine by seven. I I don't maybe I should (laughs) I should measure. Maybe like a like a five by nine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So there are just these nice compact little pans. They're not very deep, so you don't need to put a bunch of litter in them. They're big enough to for the cat to do what they need to do. And if you want to wipe them off and clean them and reuse them, you can, or if you really just want to pitch them, just pitch them. Um, that's actually so, really smart. Yeah. Super so, smart. Yeah. I know we have like the big, deep, big yeah, pans and it yeah. like takes up the entire cage and then the cat's just sitting there like crouched up in the corner. Right. Like, yeah. Or they lay in it then. because they think it's a yeah. bed. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it, cause it's too them. deep. So. So thank you for joining us tonight on our second episode of DVM Divas Beyond the Stethoscope. As always, you can catch us on pretty much every social media channel. Uh, We are at DVM Divas, dvmdivas.com. We are pretty easy to find. So please interact with us. Please email us. Please chat with us. Please find us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. If you have any topic that you would like for us to hash out, we'd love to hear it. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or just anything at all, again, let us know and we would love to feature it. Thanks again. And we will catch you next week.